Hey friends, welcome back to the Profitable Writer Podcast. If you're new here, my name is Kent Sanders. I'm an author and ghostwriter, and this is the show that helps you grow your impact and income as a writer. Now, like most writers, you probably have a mix of emotions as we get close to the end of 2023. And my guess is that you've had some great wins this year, but you've probably also had some challenges. And one thing that we all have in common, no matter what our specific business is, is that we want the next year to be better than this one. And as I've examined the past year in my business, and as I've talked to a lot of writers about their experiences, I've come to a conclusion about what's holding most of us back from the success that we crave. And it's very simple, and it's that you're trying to do too much. Now, when I say you're trying to do too much, this goes against much of the advice that we hear about running a writing business today or any kind of online business for that matter. Because the conventional wisdom says, you've got to do all the things. You've got to host a podcast. You've got to run a mastermind. You've got to write a lot of books. You've got to have a blog. You've got to do client work. You've got to do public speaking. You have to offer online courses. And you must obsess over a hundred other ways to generate income from your business. Now, don't get me wrong. Those are all fantastic additions to your business. And in fact, I do many, if not most of those myself. However, it's a mistake to try and tackle too many things in your business at once in terms of the things that you're actively really trying to grow. Because if you try to do everything, you're going to water down your success and you're going to be tired and you're going to be frustrated all the time. And worst of all, your customers, your clients, and your readers are going to be really confused about what it is that you do. So if you want to grow exponentially in 2024, You've got to stop trying to do everything. Instead, you've got to focus on what truly matters in your business. So the answer is not trying to do more. It's actually focusing on doing less. And in this episode, I want to take a look at four ways to do that. So let's dive right in. Number one is you need to determine the number one thing that you want to grow next year. Now, while the ultimate goal of your business should be creating multiple streams of income, you're not going to start out that way. If you're in the beginning years of your business, you need to choose one main thing to focus on right now. Now, I realize that's tough advice because we all want to do everything right, but it's not realistic and it's not doable. So I want to ask you, what is the one thing that would make everything else easier if you could grow it next year? Now, for me, It is the Profitable Writer Community Membership, and you'll hear me talk more about that over the next few weeks. I'm pretty well established in my ghostwriting career at this point. It's my main source of income, but as my membership income grows over time, I can be more selective about which ghostwriting projects I accept. And I think that's really the goal of of a lot of writers is you don't just want to be doing client work. You also want to have other streams of income. And I think that's a really good goal to have. The problem though, is that a lot of writers see people who they have, you know, seven or eight different income streams from books and courses and coaching and masterminds and uh, retreats and events and also doing client work. And you feel this pressure that you've got to do all these things as well. But when you see people who have all these different income streams, realize that they've been at this typically quite a while. And they didn't build all those things at once. They built them one at a time. So for me, because my ghostwriting income, uh, that's going well. Uh, It's actually probably going to, I'm sure it'll grow 
uh, more in the coming year. But my ghostwriting career is pretty well established at this point. And so in terms of the thing that I'm trying to really grow and put more creative energy into in terms of really building it up, that's going to be my profitable writer membership. And as that grows, I can become, again, more selective about which ghostwriting projects I accept and really only doing the things over time that bring me joy and that I'm really interested in. Now, for you, it might be something different. Maybe the thing that you need to focus on is freelance writing or graphic design or increasing your book sales or writing more books or something else. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you to choose the one single thing that you want to grow and focus on it with laser intensity in the next year. Number two, okay, so number one is determine the number one thing you want to grow next year. And number two is get brutally honest with yourself about where you're going to be most likely to win. Now, here's where it's going to take, it's going to get a bit uncomfortable because you're going to have to be really honest with yourself. And while it's good to choose an area of focus, like I talked about at number one, you also have to be realistic with yourself. Is this an area where you can actually have a big win? Let me give you an example. Okay, I am what I would call an average public speaker. I think I'm a much stronger teacher and facilitator. So I love teaching. I don't really love public speaking. In fact, I went to college way back in the 90s, about a million years ago. I went to college back in the early 90s with the goal of becoming a preacher. I knew that I wanted to go into church ministry And I grew up in a small church in Southern Missouri and being quote unquote in church ministry was the only, becoming a preacher was the only way that I knew how to do that because we only had one, one staff person at our church and that was the preacher. And because I, I loved him and I emulated him in many ways, uh, I, or I wanted to emulate him. I thought, well, if I want to be in church ministry, I need to go be a preacher. And so I got into the preaching program in college and I discovered that I didn't I wasn't really particularly good as a preacher. I mean, I was okay, but I didn't necessarily enjoy public speaking in a way that, in a way that people who, uh, who love public speaking are really good at it. You know, a lot of people can do it. Okay. But it's a small group of people who really are gifted at it and they're motivated to work hard at it. And they're really successful at it. That's a relatively small group of people in comparison to the rest of us. So I went to college and discovered I wasn't that good at it, nor did I really enjoy writing and preparing sermons that much. I love preparing lessons. I love teaching and the interaction and discussion that comes from teaching, but I didn't really love, I guess I would label it as the kind of like the performance art of preaching and make no mistake, preaching and public speaking is absolutely a performance art, but in order to be really, really good at it, you've got to work hard at it just like anything else. The problem is that I don't particularly like it that much, nor do I think I'm that good at it. And so it's not something I really want to spend a lot of time doing. So on top of that, I don't really enjoy traveling that much. And my worst nightmare would be somebody forcing me into a public speaking career where I'm on the road a lot. I'm going to different places, speaking and doing all this stuff and traveling. That is like absolutely my worst nightmare. And I know myself well enough to understand that I'm never going to build a career around public speaking. Now, public speaking is always going to play a role in my career because as I have opportunities to do public speaking, I will take those if it feels right and if it's something I'm excited about. But I'm never going to shoot for that being like a big source of my income, if that makes sense. I think there are a lot of things that that you've that we all can do as 
business people and as writers that help establish and build our careers, but they don't have to be our main thing. You know, like you can go be a guest on podcast. That doesn't mean that you're going to go 100% in on podcasting. It just means that is a great way to connect with people. So for me, public speaking is a thing where I'm never going to win with that. And I think there is a lot of value, especially as you get around the age of 40 and older. Uh, I'm not picking on 40 and above, but I'm in that age range. I'm 49 as I record this on, I'm actually recording this on December the 19th. Uh, when this episode comes out, uh, you know, those of us who are in kind of that midlife stage, you've got to really, there comes a time in your life where you've got to be honest with yourself about, Hey, this is what I'm going to win with. And this is not what I'm going to win with. And goodness, there's a lot of value in just being honest with yourself, isn't there? So for me, I don't get a lot of pleasure from public speaking, but I do get a lot of pleasure from leading my membership group. I get a lot of pleasure from running a podcast. I get a ton of pleasure in working with clients on their book projects and ghostwriting. To me, it's really fun. Uh, most of the time, it's really fun. It has its moments, but most of the time, it's really enjoyable, and I really grow from it, and, and I love it. And um, those are the kind of things that I really, really enjoy doing. And those are areas where I can have big wins. They're areas where I, I've already had big wins with ghostwriting. Uh, but I want to have equally big wins with my membership and with other kinds of things as well. Things that I enjoy and things I'm already good at or that I can easily learn to be really good at. So what I'm saying is it's essential that you know your personality, your strengths. So knowing yourself, and it's also essential that you know about the opportunities out there so you can make the best decisions about where to put your time and energy. So to kind of sum up this point, you want to direct your time and energy and your focus toward things that you're excited about and things that will produce the results that you want. Okay, so number one was determine the number one thing you want to grow next year. Number two is get brutally honest with yourself about where you're most likely to win. Number three is I want you to maintain, eliminate, or defer everything else. Now, those first two suggestions were pretty easy. But this is where it gets difficult because you're going to be making decisions about things that you're already doing and that are already established. Or it, you're making decisions about things that maybe you had planned on doing, but they don't really fit into that thing that you really want to grow. So I want you to take a look at everything else in your business aside from the thing that you really want to grow. And with each of those things, you're going to be doing one of three things with each of those. First of all, you can maintain it. Now, there's nothing wrong with maintaining something that's working. You know, we all kind of in our, our hyperactive business culture these days, you know, everybody is focused on, we got to, you know, have 10x results from everything and we got to grow everything to this crazy level. And, you know, unless you're worth a hundred billion, trillion, jillion dollars, you know, you're not really a great entrepreneur and all this kind of stuff. There's kind of this, and we get this from social media a lot, don't we? where we feel like if we're not this hyper successful person in every regard that we're kind of a loser. And I don't, first of all, I don't think that's an accurate picture of anybody. I think, you know, social media is absolutely curated and nobody is hyper successful in every area of their life. That kind of person just doesn't exist really uh, in terms of like being like the peak and the, the a level of everything in life. So there's nothing wrong with maintaining something that's working. Everything doesn't have to be in constant growth mode, and that's actually not healthy. When something grows, when all things in an in a area are growing constantly, 
that's not good because eventually you've got to cut things back and you've got to make space for those things. It's just like inhaling and exhaling. You can't constantly be inhaling. You've got to exhale sometimes. While some things are in growth mode, other things are in maintenance mode or even death mode where they're going away. And that's okay too. So if something is in your business is healthy, it's going well, but it's not your main focus, then just maintain it. There's nothing wrong with that. Second of all, you can eliminate something. If you have something in your business, if there's a product you have or a certain line of things that you do or a certain service that you do for people, if something isn't generating significant income and it's not the main thing you want to focus on, then consider eliminating that thing from your business. Let me give you an example. So I have decided I'm going to eliminate some things for 2024. One thing I'm not doing anymore, well, for next year at least, is I'm not going to offer any retreats or live events. I'm also not going to offer a mastermind, at least in the first six months of 2024. I've done both of those things in the past year, and they were significant time investments and energy investments, but they were not significant income generators. Now, I really enjoy running a mastermind, and I enjoy doing retreats because those are are very personal and high-level ways of serving writers. But this next year, I want to put a laser focus on growing my membership and my membership income. And I'm not afraid to say that. I want to grow my membership income because the more successful I become in my business, the more I can give, the more that I can hire people, the more I can uh, uh, serve other people and make my membership even better over time. Now, something else that I decided to eliminate was that I decided to get out of my office lease early so I can move back into my home office. If you listen to this podcast about uh, from almost a year ago, from I think January 2023, there's some episodes where I talk about how I decided to move into the office where I'm actually sitting right now to the office space that I've been renting for the last year or so. And I went into a whole thing about that. Well, well, after being in this office for a year, I've actually decided that um, I was spending money on on an office that wasn't really helping me become more productive. I like being here. It's a great space. It really is. But as I look at my productivity, um, it hasn't really significantly increased because of being here. And so I've actually decided to eliminate that expense because, and it's not just a money thing, really. It is also the idea of when you have a, a an office outside the home, you've got to have duplicates of everything. I also tend to eat out more when I'm driving to the office, even though it's like literally a two minute drive from my house. So they're kind of, you know, anytime that you have like, it's like when you buy a second car, it's not just the car that's the expense. It's all those other little things that you do because you now have the car. You're driving more and now you have gas and you have insurance and maybe you eat out more and somebody dings your car and now you've got to pay, um, you know, you've got to pay the deductible on your insurance. So anytime that you invest in something significant like that, there's all these other little expenses that come into play with it. And so I've decided to just kind of eliminate this office from my budget. And so what I did is I made a deal with the owners and um, I will be out by the end of the month and I've got to pay a penalty for doing that. Uh, it's actually $1,200 and I'm, I'll just, I'll just put that number out there. It's a $1,200 penalty that I've got to pay because um, that is equal to the amount that I would have paid uh over the past year, additionally, if I had just signed a one-year lease. So essentially, because I signed a five-year lease, it was $100 less a month. So I've got to like make up the difference, basically. And yeah, do I want to pay the penalty? Of course I don't. But I understand 
why they're charging that to me. And I would do the same thing if I were in their shoes. So I'm actually happy to pay that because I think that's good business. And um, because it actually paying the extra $1,200 uh, is going to save me several thousand dollars because it's releasing me from that monthly obligation, if that makes sense. So uh, kind of with this point three here where you can maintain, em- eliminate, or defer everything else, uh, the third thing here is that you can defer. So if you have projects or goals that are interesting to you, but they're not essential to your main goals next year, then I would defer those to 2025. Again, I know that's hard to do, but my recommendation would be to just defer those things if it's not your main thing. Then finally, number four here is I want you to have the courage to say no. And this is truly where the rubber meets the road because you can do all the planning in the world, but real progress in your business happens in the choices that you make every day, in the push and pull of everyday life. And as a writer, you're naturally a curious person. And if you're like me, you probably get distracted about once a week by some cool new business idea or some other book that you want to write someday. And all those are good things. I want you to be curious. But if it doesn't fit into the main thing that you want to grow next year, you probably need to say no to that thing, at least for the time being. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't explore your creativity. I hope that you make some time each day to do that. But in terms of your main income generating goal for next year, though, you've got to have the courage to say no if it doesn't help you achieve that goal. You've got to say no to things that don't help you achieve that goal. Now, I mentioned above uh, a couple of minutes ago, I mentioned a couple of things that I'm not doing in 20, 2024, like running a mastermind or doing retreats. Here are a few more things that I'm not doing next year just to give you some examples. I'm not starting a Substack. I'm not trying to book speaking gigs. I'm not going to start a nonprofit. I'm not going to host a second or third podcast. I'm going to stick with this one. I'm not writing fiction. I'm not attending more than one big conference. And I'm not writing for large publications. There's a lot of other things I'm not going to do next year. But what that does is when I get clear on the things that I'm not going to do, it makes space in my heart. It makes space in my schedule and in my mind for the thing that I really, really want to grow. And for me, again, that is my Profitable Writer membership community. Now, those things that I just talked about, you might be interested in those things. And if any of those things helps you reach your main goal, then you should absolutely go for it. But I suggest that you make your own list of things that you're not going to do in 2024. There's something really powerful about writing down that list and and committing to yourself that, you know, 2024 is not going to be the year that I do these things. I might do them in the future, But if you can focus on that one singular thing that's really going to help you grow in your business next year, then I would, when you, when it comes time, uh, when we come to the end of December next year in 2024, you're going to be really, really glad that you were able to focus on those things. Just like the old Chinese proverb says, you've probably heard this before. It says, if you chase two rabbits, both will escape. And I would really hate for you to get to the end of 2024 So a year from now, I would hate for you to get to the end of 2024 feeling like success had escaped you, just like rabbits that escaped the person who's trying to chase them both. So in order to avoid that feeling, I want to ask you to follow these four guidelines to help you get clear on what it is that you need to focus on during the next year. Hey, my friend, I hope this is helpful to you. Uh, Thinking through this is definitely helpful to me. So I hope that uh, this will give you the courage 
and some sort of a pass, uh, some sort of a pathway to figure out what you want to focus on for next year and to not focus on all the other things that don't help you achieve that goal. Hey, before we close up this episode, I want to give a big thanks to today's sponsors. The first is Plotter. Plotter is the number one visual book planning software for writers that helps you plan books in the same way that you think. Plotter has this really cool intuitive visual interface that allows plotting to be the creative process that it's supposed to be. And by the way, it's not just for fiction writers. Plotter is a great tool for nonfiction authors, as well as podcasters, speakers, and anybody else creating content to help them organize their material and their story points. So if you're ready to outline faster, get organized and save loads of time in your writing, go to plotter.com to start your free 14-day trial. That's P-L-O-T-T-R.com to start your free 14-day trial. I also want to give a huge thanks to today's other sponsor, The Word Wizard. Now, here's the deal. You've heard me talk about the importance of editing on this show before, and you've heard me talk about my wonderful friend, Karen Hunsinger, because she's not only a sponsor of the show, she's also a great friend and a really, really good editor. So even if you have written a great book, you know, you might be Shakespeare, but here's the deal. Even Shakespeare needed an editor. A great book is not ready for publication until it's been in the hands of a master editor. And that's why my friend Karen, also known as the word wizard, as I mentioned, that's why she is the perfect partner to help you craft the highest quality book possible. And here's why. It's because a great editor doesn't just correct spelling and grammar and things like that. They also handle wordiness in your writing. They handle shifts in tone and voice. They make sure that you're not overusing particular words. And they also enhance transitions, clarity, and accuracy. And I'll tell you what, I, in fact, let me tell you a quick story. I just got a manuscript back from Karen a few weeks ago for a client book that comes out next month. And I am so grateful for Karen because she identified a lot of places in the manuscript, virtually on every page. <laughs> Let's be honest. She identified tons and tons of things that needed improvement. And I am so grateful for Karen because as I've told her before, she, with every book project, she saves my bacon. She saves me from embarrassing mistakes that I would make as a ghostwriter on my client books and also in my own books as well. It's not just for client books. So you have not prepared your book for publication until it's been in the hands of a master editor. I've worked with Karen a lot of times and she is your secret weapon for crafting and getting ready to publish an amazing book. You can go to karenhunsinger.com for a free sample edit. That's karenhunsinger.com for your free sample edit. Well, my friend, as always, thanks for sticking with me here to the end of another episode of the Profitable Writer Podcast. I hope this has been helpful to you. I've certainly enjoyed our time together, and I look forward to meeting you again in the next episode.